The San Luis Valley in southern Colorado is immense. It's a basin about 125 miles long, sitting right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. Despite being at high altitude, the valley has a desert feel. It typically only gets a few inches of precipitation a year, and in fact, one of its most famous attractions are sand dunes. In the spring, snowmelt from the adjacent peaks drains into the valley, and much of that runoff soaks into the soil to fill shallow aquifers, making it ideal for agriculture. But there's only so much water to go around, and a claim to it can pit neighbor against neighbor, as it did in the case of Barbara and Chuck Tidd. It's their situation that brought us to their home to hear what happened and how their victory might have turned 150 years of water law on its head. Hi. 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 I'm Franny. Nice Franny. to meet you. Nice to meet you, Franny. And this is Jeepers and Cruiser. Hi, Jeepers. <laughs> Hi, Cruiser. Yeah, welcome right in. The Tids live in a house they built on the valley slope that would make you drool. A wide panorama from their living room takes in the sweep of the basin, and you could swear you see New Mexico some 70 miles away. Even as we talk, a pronghorn antelope strolls below their deck and stops to stare in our direction, as if on cue to show off the amazing natural beauty Chuck and Barbara enjoy. You could say they have it all, but at the same time, you'd have to say they've got nothing. We're way too far off grid to make it uh, even feasible to run power lines. When we started building, it was $100,000 just to run the wires up here, and I'm sure it's a whole lot more than that now. So they're on their own, getting drinking water from springs. And their electricity from a solar array. But when it gets cloudy, they need something else to keep the lights on and appliances humming. Their answer, hydro. They came up with an idea to generate power from an irrigation ditch that runs through their property. Only problem, the ditch belonged to someone else. Creek that runs through our property is actually a ditch that belongs to uh, the Freeze family down, down the hill, and they irrigate with the water. The Freeze are cattle ranchers who grow hay with their water, and they were none too pleased with the Tids' plan to generate power or how they went about it. My understanding, incorrect understanding, was, oh, you start working on it, then you file. Wrong. Chuck started, like, digging, and, you know, he was going to lay some pipe, and then he called the irrigators up to take a look at it, and they said, don't touch my ditch. Welcome to Colorado Water Law, known as the prior appropriation system that basically says first in time, first in right. It started back in early gold mining days and essentially allowed the first guys in to dibs water in a stream before anyone else could use it. Even though all the Tids wanted to do was run water through a pipe to generate power and return every drop, this was no simple undertaking. For starters, they had to file an application for a water right with the state. But the irrigators they objected. The case went to water court. Yes, this complex arrangement has its own legal system, and the judge agreed with the TIDs. They could use the water to generate power as long as they did no harm to the downstream users. The ranchers were not happy. They took the case all the way to the Colorado Supreme Court, arguing that the TIDs could not use the water because it already belonged to them and they should have the right to use it before anyone else. But is that really what the law states? Water can be used for many uses. Uh, it's a usufructory right to use that water, it's meaning you don't own it. They use the term, uh, use the molecules of water before anybody else does, you know. And so we're not using any of the molecules of water, we're using the weight of the water, you know, as it goes downhill. Um, so, you know, we're not, uh, that's the whole point is that they have to get their water in the right time, condition, and quantity 
that, uh, that, they, that their right entitles them to, and we're not trying to interfere with that at all. The Supreme Court agreed, saying that the Freeze didn't own the water, they only had the right to use it. Barbara and Chuck could use the water too, so long as they returned it to the ditch. And that was actually a, a real eye-opener to me. I didn't realize what a can of worms we had opened. Indeed they had, and not just any can of worms, the tangled and complex rules that are Colorado water law a system that's becoming more and more controversial as the state's population grows and issues like drought and climate change make the resource even more scarce. I thought it was sort of goofy. That's Bill Paddock, a well-respected water lawyer. We asked him to weigh in on the Supreme Court's decision. It's, it's I guess, what you would call uh, judicial legislation because it authorizes a new class of water rights that didn't previously exist. A new right that says, sure, you can jump in line and use water already appropriated to someone else as long as you don't hurt that owner. A decision that seemingly contradicts the intent of the current structure. According to Padak, this is new and potentially threatening to the entire system. It was, you know, really a, a leap into uncharted territory by the court and will probably result in a lot more litigation in the future over how you address the rights of these junior, what I would call a piggyback appropriation. But there it is. Barbara and Chuck are proud owners of a new water right, and the next step is to build their system. We follow Chuck and Barbara across a field near their house to see the creek they plan to use. It feels a bit ironic. The ditch at the center of this decision, it's surprisingly tiny. So uh, how, how wide would you estimate the ditch to be here? Oh, you know, I'd say it's a foot wide and uh, in general and uh, maybe another foot deep. And the waterfall that would generate the power, it tumbles a mere few inches. Small that it is, though, this little trench could be huge in terms of what it portends for the future of Colorado water law. Reporting from the San Luis Valley in Southern Colorado, I'm Franny Halprin. And I'm Jamie Sudler, and you're listening to H2O Radio.